0: Welcome to the Beyond High Performance podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses.
1: I think what the coach then helps me to do is to expand what I even think that I'm capable of.
0: Today's episode is from our show, On Coaching, where elite coaches from Novus Global and faculty from the Meta Performance Institute discuss the pursuit of excellence in executive coaching. Interested in executive coaching, but keep finding yourself saying, I'm not sure I have time for this. Well, MPI faculty, David Gerber, Dan LaFellar, Amanda Jagger and Janet Wood use this episode of On Coaching to explain that you could actually use coaching to get more done and even more efficiently than ever before. They share stories on how they utilize the craft of coaching to create more time and satisfaction for their clients. Enjoy the show.
2: Hey, everyone. It's David Gerber and I'm here with Amanda Jagger. Say hi, Amanda. Hello. Janet Wood. Say hello, Janet.
3: Hey, everyone.
2: Hi, Janet. Uh, And Dan Leflar. What is going on? (laughs) And and we're here to talk about uh, how coaching can help you get more done in less time with more satisfaction. And so if you're wondering at all, how some people can be so productive. If you're, you've been frustrated with your level of productivity. If we were to ask you, for instance, where you would rank your productivity and efficiency on a scale from one to 10, for example, if you would rank yourself anything less than a 10, we would say, uh, this, this episode is designed to really dive into how can coaching actually, how can you utilize the craft of coaching to help you uh, get more done in your day, hopefully in less time and uh, so you can go home sooner, maybe spend time with your family, whatever that is, and have more enjoyment and satisfaction um, and increase your impact in the world.
3: I don't believe it. It's not possible. That's not not possible.
4: By the way, this episode is for sure for people who think, I don't have the time for this. I don't have the time Mm -hmm. for coaching. I don't have the time to invest in in these long, arduous conversations. So instead, I'm going to listen to a podcast about it.
2: The metaphor that we're gonna we're gonna set to tee this up as, as we play around with this. And our hope is that this conversation uh comes with a deep advocacy for people, that they become aware of of the resources that are available to help them move ahead in life faster, generally for us towards a greater impact with their lives. And uh, and so one of the metaphors we were thinking about was in kicking around was this idea of Ah, uh, if you only knew of the ability to drive from l a. to New York,, uh, that would take you thirty to forty some odd hours, I'm guessing, something like that. Um, I've never done it myself. long It's <laughs> a uh, long ways. and 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 um if you uh, it, but if you didn't know airplanes existed, uh, then driving is an option or maybe the only option besides you know, a train or a bus or whatever. but then if 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 you found out that that airplanes existed, Ah, uh, you could get there much faster, and that's not always the objective. But it's nice to know you have options. And so, um, for us, our hypothesis uh, is that there are a lot of resources out there, whether it's coaching, um, consulting, um, therapy, having advisors, mentors. Um, we've even uh, talked, worked with a lot of clients on developing a personal board of directors that will help them uh, mentor and advise them on going further, faster. Um, but also uh, having the life that they desire. Uh, so it's not just about more work. It's about meaningful work. And so the idea that that coaching is one of the airplanes that you could take from LA to New York, uh, that would allow you to do your work uh, more quickly, get more done, less time and have more satisfaction in life. So I'm going to be talking with Amanda, Janet and Dan, and just really we're going to get at some of the specifics in, in, um, this is one of the primary things we work with clients on is, is how do you go beyond high performance and utilize, uh coaching to do so so uh dan i'm gonna throw it to you first here in a second um to to share one of your stories and what we want to do is 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 pull apart these stories and and how does a person how how have clients of ours utilize coaching to uh to get more done less time with more satisfaction so uh dan would you share one of the one of the stories of a client that you've worked with that that's done that and then the three of us can poke around at it and, and really see what happened in that relationship and how that was the result
4: Maybe by way of beginning to frame it a little bit, like I come to I came to coaching and discovered coaching from what I find a lot of my clients is the same kind of perspective they have. I'm tend to be more skeptical of things when I hear uh, claims that seem to be too good to be true. So if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, uh, you should spend some time with me. It'll save you time. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that because I'm spending <laughs> more time with you." I should go back to you know my office and 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 so that's something that I've noticed um, was in me when I first got exposed to coaching uh, this type of coaching. It's like, what do you mean you're gonna save me time? How does using my time save me time? Um that was kind of one of the big, skeptical thoughts I had. And so when I talk to clients or people who, who are interested in coaching and I, we begin articulating this, imagine like to go to your metaphor for a second, imagine you've never seen a plane. You don't know human flight is a thing. And you're like, no, 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 that's not a thing. Like there's no way that's a thing. Um, I already, I've assessed the situation. I know what the, you know, the typical responses that I use are. So one of the key ingredients, right off the bat, um, of I think all of the stories, and it'd be interesting to interweave uh, a conversation around like where these examples pop up. But um, one of the things I've noticed in every client, including myself, when I started getting into this work, was a willingness to explore this idea of things that seem impossible to you. Um, so, uh, for in, in the case of the metaphor, if, like, if you, you can spend the rest of your life arguing that human flight is a real thing or not or you can go exploring to see if it's actually legitimate. As an example, uh, I was on a call with a client. There's three examples that come to mind, but one, one has to do specifically with money. And often what ends up happening with clients that I work with is there's a possibility or there's an option available to them that they're currently not thinking of. And no matter how much thinking they spend, um, or how much time they spend thinking about it, they don't seem to be able to unearth that possibility. Um, And so it's, it it exists in their blind spot. It exists in an area where they don't know what they don't know. And so one of the situations that occurred, uh, this is a couple of years ago. I worked with a lot of professional athletes. Uh, I had an athlete who was negotiating a contract. Um, and he was, I asked him what he wanted his deal to be. And he said, well, it'd be great if I could get three years of this amount of money per year. And this is in the multi millions of dollars in terms of a deal. And, um, and he just kind of paused and when he paused, I asked him, I was like, hey, like you're pausing. It feels like there's something else you want. And he's like, well, I want more term. I want more time. But I can't ask for it. And that's where the conversation began. And we got into why he couldn't ask for it. What was holding him back for, at, from asking for it? Um, what, what his mind was telling him? Wasn't true. Was true. We dug into that, and as a result, um, he, he of that conversation, and then he later went on and talked with his wife uh, and rehashed it with her. And what was great was she was aligned with what we were talking about. He went and asked for an additional year of term when he thought he would never get it, and he would never have asked for it had it had we not had that conversation. That made him two and a half million dollars. That request, Dang. and. It was a yes from the organization. He got that deal and he made out of a few minutes in a conversation, um, seeing something he wasn't willing to necessarily engage in, having a space in coaching to like dialogue about why and then begin to push into some of the fear things that were going on in him resulted in him, I would say saving a lot of time because we we talk about time being money or money being time. He made two and a half million dollars from a 10 minute conversation. And that's an example of how coaching mm-hmm. will help you get a lot more done in a lot less time. Um, but you have to be willing to not argue that flight isn't real <laughs> and be willing to engage in a conversation about that.
1: Uh, Dan, what this story makes me think about is the idea of advocating for yourself. So mm-hmm. in making that request, right, there are all these fears. If you flip that, okay, so what does the opposite of that look like? It looks like overcoming those fears, creating new beliefs. I'm going to advocate for myself. I'm going to make a powerful request, regardless of how I could look and all of that. And what comes up for me in connection with Um, choosing to invest in working with a coach is that he'd already taken a step of advocating for himself by making the investment in coaching, right? So that was a, a baby step, but it anchored in like, oh, I'm someone who advocates for myself. Look, I'm investing this much in my own growth, my development. And so when you guys had that conversation, it wasn't like this advocacy was coming out of nowhere. He'd already stepped into that at least a little bit yeah um, I, I find that the advocacy inviting people to advocate for themselves is one of the standard conversations because mm-hmm. for whatever reason the fears uh, I'm not worth it beliefs we have from our families of origin or just all the things it's like ah I don't know if I'm worth advocating for myself but he'd already chosen to push pets that at least a little bit when he uh, wanted to work with you
4: yeah mm-hmm. so I've had this experience many times where I'm talking to somebody who's interested in coaching and their life is busy, quote unquote busy, right? There's lots going on. It's very full.
1: All of our lives are busy. All of our lives are busy. Everyone.
4: Their lives are way busier than yours. Um, No, 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 no. I got you beat.
1: I got you beat.
4: You know, (laughs) I'm not going to turn this into a pissing contest. but um,
1: (laughs) You win with that.
4: Yeah, He has more kids. He wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm i not talking about me. I'm talking about people who, you know, they're in, maybe they're talking to me at a party or they're or they're interested in coaching, but kind of at a peripheral level, they don't know much about it. And and essentially they're going like, how does spending time talking about things help me mm. actually save time when I could go be doing those things?
0: Hmm.
1: I think for me it's so much time that i spend in wasted energy so when i'm trying to make a decision or i something is is happening that is Draining energy for me. The coaching space, I get in front of my coach, and the coach holds space for me to get my head on straight, for me to actually see that my life isn't so busy or so hard or so overwhelming. And it's like, is that belief actually resourceful for me? Probably not. So the coach holds space for me to, in so many ways, just get my head on straight so that I can start thinking clearly and problem solving and not getting so wrapped up in my stories. And I leave that conversation with a peace I didn't have before, with probably a joy that I didn't have before, with a renewed energy that I didn't have before, with clarity around what I'm actually going to do. Or maybe the list the list was 10 things and I got clear on actually what the most nuclear two because I can make a to-do list like nobody's business. And mm. that thing can be massive. Um, I actually have a quote here on my, um, my computer. It's like, do as little as needed, not as much as possible. Mm. And my coach helps me get clear on what is actually needed for what I'm committed to, not as much as possible. So I feel like super productive and good about myself because i did so many things that day
4: the cynical part of me goes well so coaches are for people who can't figure their shit out
3: Mm.
1: so i then i guess
3: that's me (laughs) can you speak to uh because you've talked about this before Uh, the way that you've had clients who've hired assistants earlier than they would have ever thought to hire an assistant, which is, I think a lot of people think that people who hire assistants are like millionaires or CEOs only. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Um, So when we coach with people, we have them answer five questions. And one of those questions is, uh, if you were going to make one small change that would make a big difference, like the nuclear thing. And I think for me, what I found and not just myself, but in other people, hiring an assistant um tends to be one of those nuclear things. Like you could read in a book, you should hire an assistant, whatever. But immediately stuff begins to come up for people on why that wouldn't make sense. So like it might feel bougie. It might, um, I, you know, I don't make enough in order to be able to do that. Or I had um, one of our, our corporate clients, her boss had actually said, you can, she was running a whole division in a very large company and the, her said, you can use my assistant For like ten hours a week or whatever, and she brought that. I was like, "Why have you not said yes? (laughs) Like, what is happening?" Because she was commenting on how great it was working with my assistant. I was like, "Yes, it saved. (laughs) She saved my life." And she was like, "Yeah, that sounds nice." And um, we talked through all of the stuff that was coming up for her around why she didn't feel comfortable with that. Um, and not to stereotype at all, but, um, and I usually get away from gender conversations pretty fast, but I find a lot of the females that I will work with and coach a lot of times they have something coming up with telling another person what to do like that because they, especially if they've been moms, they're used to doing a lot of stuff for a lot of people. And so there's all this stuff that comes up that then we get to yeah. coach through, which becomes a yeah. really beautiful conversation. So she went back to, from our coaching conversation, she went back to the CEO and was like, hey, does the offer still stand? And she had access for 16 hours a week um, for this person for as an assistant, which got her 16 hours back to her life that then she yeah. could use to lead and like all the things that she didn't have time for. Now all of a sudden, like 16 hours a week is a lot of time, mm-hmm. all the stuff that she was doing. And it was waiting right there. Um, but she just hadn't had the conversation to unpack what was holding her
3: back yet. Well, what comes up for me is this idea of upgrading the questions you're asking yourself, which is to me, the value of that and to answer Dan's question around like when people do have these uh, beliefs around, well, I don't have enough time or uh I won't be able to invest fully. Um, you know, to me it's it's about asking questions to help them consider like what yeah. what if a conversation could help you actually uh, open up time for you? What what if you could actually leverage hire an assistant and leverage it so that you could be making more money if you feel like you don't have enough money yet to afford like how can you leverage an assistant to help you double your income or double your revenue which is questions that most people don't get asked
4: there's a con um that people run on themselves and i I, like because i think people who I i think people who think they're too busy to assess what they're doing don't realize Don't realize how much it's costing them to run their lives that way. Like they don't, they don't see. They see the potential cost of time of having a conversation to figure it out. Oh, that I don't have time for that. But they don't see the cost of what they're paying in running the life, letting the life the way it's going. I want to speak to that group of people, like people who think, like classic high performers, who 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 think I'm at the top. I don't need help. I don't need my time back. I'm busy enough. Like it comes from an arrogance. That's what's coming. Yeah. From. Do
1: you, do you look at coaching as help? Yeah. Like even the comment, like I don't need help. That's, no, the one,
4: thing, that's what people think.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I get it. I get it. And I think like they might not people who have that, uh, that come up for them. They might not fully understand what coaching actually is. Like, I don't see myself as hired help.
4: Speak to that, Amanda. So for those people who are out there, and they're they're they've heard of coaching, but they think they think coaching is a crutch for dysfunction, or they think coaching is mm. is helping. What's wrong with that perspective, or what's not helpful with that perspective? And, well, and what perspective do you think you want people to see?
2: And I know I've thought that before, right? So like, even and man, as you're speaking to it, maybe even speak about the moments where you've had that, where you have a you have a session on your calendar with a coach, and you're like, I don't have time for this. You ever you ever had that thought? Yes. Uh, I'm
4: uh, <laughs> you know, so like, we're, we're,
2: When I think part of it's like, we're all in this too, right? We all, there's this, this tension. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you, you say, Amanda.
1: Well, I think for me, then I'm even going back to myself or what I might suggest to someone else that they, they, they might not just know how to use a coach. Um, like I hire my therapist to help me because I need, I need help. But a coach is like nitrous in my tank. Um, there's and there, I think that there is an art and a way to use a coach. Um, if I, if I don't need help with something and I'm carrying this weight, I think what the coach then helps me to, to do is to expand what I even think that I'm capable of. So if I think, okay, I have this, a coach is like, well, then quite possibly I might be dreaming too small. Um, I might be thinking too small. Like if I think that I have it, there is way more value on the table that I'm leaving than, than I have no idea. Um, curious about what what you guys think too. What would you say?
4: Two things are gonna come up for me. One is, um, when you when somebody, have you ever been like been building something and somebody came to help you and it's annoying? Because you're having to tell them, it slows you down. Like it literally slows you down. Like you, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you need to go to have. You have to hold the hammer this way, and you got to put the nail in like that. And but when somebody shows up and they already have the expertise, well, then it speeds it up a little bit. That's the, kind of that consultant role. But what you're getting at, Amanda, and I think it's it's really important distinction is that coaching is not about helping you do what you're doing. Co- coaching is about helping yes. you. It, and helping is the wrong word. Coaching is about expanding what you see yourself doing period rather than you're working on like a tree, the tree for it. A coach shows up and be like, Hey, you have these skills. What if you build a mansion (laughs) And, and how would you do that? And how would that stretch you? And what would you need? And that catalyst that, that thing that speeds up the reaction where somebody's thinking goes from kind of walking along to boom, you're suddenly in a different universe. That's a totally different type of conversation than somebody who's coming along to try to help you to do something you're already doing. That's the difference for me. Um, And in terms of uh, the conversation I had with my client, he was thinking in a certain universe, a universe of beliefs, a universe of of options. And then I asked him a question that pivoted him into a different universe a way of showing up to his requests, a way of showing up to the same circumstance, but from a completely different place. So that's yeah. what I'm curious about when you've seen that in your own clients in terms of it's not help like the traditional help model, but it's like something that moves things very, very quickly. So where have you seen that?
2: And hopefully this answers the question, Dan, and feel free to kind of guide me as you will. The, the One of the most clear examples for me comes actually from a personal example from like a week ago Um, When I was having this feeling of complaint, I had a coaching call where I was getting coached on my calendar and I had that feeling of, um, I don't have time for this right now and I'm too busy. And I I, I even like considered bailing on the coach and rescheduling and thinking, man, why am I doing this? Um, And then uh, I I stuck with it. I I stayed disciplined to the the coaching. And one of the things I really, the, the coach helped hold space for me to do on that call was to re-clarify my vision and because what was happening what i was realizing and and again the coach helped me see this was that my my vision was starting to get scattered and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i had these nine buckets that i was trying to do like level 10 out of 10 on and uh and and as a as um you know when it comes to like people i've coached this is very common is all of a sudden they're trying to keep nine balls in the air and juggle them all at once rather than hyper-focusing on, and this is one of the things I've worked with clients most on is, is there a way that you can just have three or four of those that you're focused on and five of those you either delegate or you set aside for now or kick down the road for six months or whatever other strategy that allows you to reconnect to the clarity of the laser-focused vision of what is the focus for the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, um, and and where do you want to move the other ideas to, whether it's delegation or moving it forward, and I couldn't believe how much energy I had getting off of that call because I got reconnected to that laser focused and I was like, okay, great. I can make some impact here. And I think that seems to be a tendency with a lot of the clients that I work with, and I know stories I've heard from other coaches is the tendency is for that, that vision to end up scattering over time. And sometimes coaching is, is a bit of a space to like, let's pull it back in. Let's re-clarify, re-clarify, re-clarify because mm-hmm. then and. and in my personal experience what was happening is that is a lot of my fears that were creeping up were what was causing that vision to scatter is i've yeah. got to keep all these nine things up because this might happen this might happen this might fall through this might you know whatever it was rather than going wait what is it i want again
3: yeah
2: you know and bringing right. it back into that and hopefully that that speaks to what you're asking Dan and i'm i'm really intrigued because i know i know Janet has worked with with a number of clients on increasing their their revenue so there's the there's the, what Dan is talking about with making really bold requests in terms of uh, things that somebody really wants. My, my example of the clarity of vision, and I'm really wondering, like, uh, Janet, with the clients you worked with in increasing their, uh, their revenue or whatever it was, what did you do with them specifically that mm-hmm. resulted in that, that revenue bump, you know, again, increased, uh, getting more done in less time with uh, more satisfaction?
3: yeah well, the two examples that are coming up for me right now often are with people who are going from being a sole leader to scaling or to mm. building a team or to empowering their team to start taking on more work. And uh, what I'm and one particular example I'm thinking of, and I completely relate to it because I it's it's definitely one of those um, wow, this is a you spot it, you got it. Um, and we talk about like the high performance mindset. And I kept digging in with this person, what's really going on, what's really going on, what are the beliefs behind why you're so hesitant to delegate these things to your team. And it came out and I'm really, really proud of this person for their vulnerability because if we didn't land there, we would have never uncovered this. But they said, well, if I'm not doing those things that I'm really good at, then what do I have? Mm-hmm. And so what we discovered was yeah. she had so much of her identity built mm-hmm. up in the things that she was really good at that was creating yeah. a bottleneck. Um, and because they were unwilling to really empower the team to start doing those things, everything comes to her. And so she's completely busy. Um, she has no time to really you know, uh, cast vision, to lead, to manage. And so she's doing all the work that is really meant for the team. And once uh, she was able to really, you know, redefine her value in uh, the leadership position rather in the things that she's so good at, uh, up until that point, she was able to drastically improve the production uh, of her team and get her, give herself back so much time. Yeah. Um, and I completely relate. I think I don't do this often enough, but I do what I can to not use the word busy I use full and because to me mentally, I know when I say, oh I'm so busy, um, there's a part of me that almost takes this has this weird pride. <laughs> it's almost like a like a, oh that is I'm, so se- I'm so self-important. Look how busy yeah. I am, you know. Um, and to me, I know that that's the way I con myself. So I'll just say I'm full and if I really am too busy, it's a it's a red alert. It's like a canary in the coal mine. To say, hey, <laughs> like something's off. What can I do to open up more time for myself?
4: Yeah, I, I remember uh, somebody in the firm, I think it might have been Jason, who said that busyness is a form of laziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that stings, I think, because I, I, <laughs> I have been a busy person. Um, but I, I think there's something there. And I, I'm curious. There's a part of me that that wants to push back on all of it. Like in terms of, on behalf of the skeptic or the cynic to be like, okay, so you're telling me that sitting with a coach will help me like understand how my thinking gets in my way of seeing possibilities or seeing options that are in front of me, like delegating something that normally I I need to do. I'm curious, like, have you, have you guys coached anybody who's been like hyper resistant like that in, or, or been in that, that kind of that hot seat before in, in the coaching journey?
1: We started coaching with a company um, right when COVID started and went down. And so this person who I was coaching, all of a sudden, her job load increased like incredibly because of all the things that were going down and what the company was needing to do to pivot and all of this. Like, I mean, like the way she was talking, was like 18 hour days seven days a week type thing. Mm. And there was just so much like a piece was the work completely increased and right. And, and so what happened was she started not scheduling as like, it was like to get her to schedule and, um, she would back away from doing it. it was like, we have a contract agreement. Um, please, please get these, be scheduled. And that was a lot of her complaint. But as we started to talk and like so many of the things that we've talked about already, the delegation. So I think there was a few pieces. One, there she was committed. There, there She had a commitment to the time. So if she didn't have the commitment there, she wouldn't have necessarily had that to show up. Right. And then it is kind of like, well, when I feel like it or if I need it. But it was there as a regular, almost like discipline in her life. And the things that then came up that we were able to talk about, just her mindset, her delegation, how she was seeing things, how she was caring for herself in the midst of all of this Mm -hmm. change that she had never really sat in before. And she has been working for like 30 plus years Um, and she was so grateful. She's like, I so wish that I would have had this type of opportunity 20, 30 years ago when I started Mm -hmm. working, that I would have had these tools, like my life would have been so different if I Mm -hmm. would have had these tools 20 years ago. And I mean, she has them now, but she actually got to a point where the workload didn't change but she was developing her team. She began to enjoy her life. She like, there was this, I'm mm-hmm. going to make the most of it. And I don't know what would have happened if she wouldn't have had our coaching time as a space for her. It would have gone much, much differently.
2: It pinged me because there's, there's a client that, um, that I worked with last year that was very much in that place where uh, he was was working twelve hours plus a day and was was really bought into like this is just the way it has to be if I'm going to be successful in the way I want to be successful.
4: Just before you continue, like I think just speaking to people out there, I think one of the, the most um offensive things to tell somebody who's running really hard is that uh you could do more.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> and and the mo even if you hey you could do more, but we, we could do it in a way that like, works for like it's almost like to insinuate that they're not giving everything they've got is an insult. And I think I wonder if that's what creeps up in people's minds. And like, if you're listening to this right now and you're tired um, and the thought of you probably haven't listened to this far into the podcast, you probably turned it off already, but you're tired. (laughs) um, I think for many people out there, the idea of getting more done um, and even saying in less time with more satisfaction, they don't hear the, the last part. All they hear is I'm already giving it all I got. And to have mm-hmm. a conversation with somebody that helps uncover things that I can't see is it almost offenses, uh, offends my sensibilities or offends the hard work I'm doing. And I wonder if that's sometimes the resistance that we encounter or maybe in, in your story. So I want to hear the rest of your story.
2: Yeah. Well, in, in this particular client, um, and I think he would agree with this if, if he was listening, that he has a certain level of hubris. Which, mm. which makes him as successful as he is yeah um, and it's also the thing that gets in his own way. It's kind of like the good is the enemy of great type of concept. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I know Amanda's even referred to this is when you look at certain things and we talk about the distinction between high performance and meta performance and for us meta performance is beyond high performance. And Amanda said when you're looking at something from a high performer mindset, it does that that like being more productive is like oh, like really, I'm already doing so much, this is the way it is. my hubris is actually you know perpetuating that story. yeah. And then if you shift and, and Amanda used this in a training last week where she said, if you shift that to the meta performer looks at it and goes, wait, there's there's planes that I could take instead of driving and th- their their curiosity is peaked and they don't go to this like, well, I've always done it this way, and this is the best way. It's like there's a different way. Let's take a peek. There might be something mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and with this, um, so go back to this client specifically. Uh, So he's he's going about this a certain way, and what what I'm asking, I'm kind of I'm asking him, I'm like saying, how often do you push back from your desk, and really ask yourself if if your life design looks like you want it to. And he's like, oh yeah, no, it is, it is, it is, it is, and it's like, okay, great. Well, let's let's look at it. So I I start listing off different categories or buckets that I think matter to him. And I say, scale from one to ten. Like, where would you rank these things? And it was, you know, an average of between five, six, and seven on most of them, a couple fours. And I was like, interesting. So you're telling me that you think your life looks exactly the way you would want to design it yet. I would expect you would have given me a lot more eights and nines. And then you have this constant, consistent complaint um, that, that you work so many hours and you work so hard, but you're also so addicted to being like that guy at the company who like crushes it all the time. And so we really parsed it down. Mm -hmm. And as we were doing that, and for me, it wasn't like I wasn't trying to jab him. It was I wanted to advocate for him because I uh, I'm this huge optimist where it's like, hey, I think you could actually enjoy your life more and get more done and work less hours in a day. And I know, like, let's be super skeptical about that idea. But like, if that were possible, would you want to know? Yeah. And, you know, he was like, he had this like, act was like oh, you know, I guess, but he's like, so like, and, and maybe we've all been there at times where you're like, so addicted to your productivity and it yeah. like feels good to get 12 hours done and then complain about it a little bit and have a few cocktails and whatever. Right. So It's like, you know, and, and, um, and so that's where he was at, was in that loop. And I think parsing it down with these different categories for him to see like, wow. And so what's happening is his, his over hyper productivity, Um, is allowing him in some ways to get like an eight, nine or 10 done in like, in terms of what he gets done in a day in his current approach, but it causes the other things that are, that he would say are meaningful to him to suffer. Yeah. And I would say that that's an energy drain because you know, when you're self betraying essentially, when there's things that you say are meaningful to you. And as I'm saying this, I am so personally convicted, like, and, and I want people to hear that. Like there's things in my life as I'm saying this, I'm going, where am I? Hyper committed to something that is causing me to
4: neglect something that's meaningful to me. When well, to complain about it feels amazing too. Oh, like it feels mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, you, then you don't. It's you don't have to. You know, like, and when somebody questions it or pokes at it, you get you get to you get to load the spear gun and you get to fire. That's a really good example of I think um, one of the things that I've run across. It's funny because I, I there are people you can tell when you initially talk to them. That they really, they're really curious about things they don't know. Yeah, and what I have found is, and it's with rare exception, the higher performer a person is, the higher they're up in an organization. Um, uh, they tend to, it, t- it tends to breed that sort of mentality of not curiosity, but of anything like being certain is what got me here. So I'm not going to open up, you know, the, the curiosity box right now because certainty is what what created my success.
1: Some people might imagine. That uh, certainty is my job. Like, my Mm -hmm. job is to be certain. My job is to make the calls. My job is to know where we're going. My job, like, my job is to have that certainty. So, I get why moving to a place of curiosity might feel really uncomfortable.
4: Well, and, and at the same time, this is where we get back to what we started the conversation about. When you're certain, you miss things, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and you you your brain isn't seeing, because our brains, we talk about this all the time, our brains aren't wired for accuracy. They're wired to be efficient. So whether it's an email, it's all scrambled up and your brain can read it. Like there, there's these details, there's these options, there's these possibilities or requests or yes. choices that are there. You just don't see them. And- and that's why, and, and we joked about this at the beginning of the show um, a little bit, like getting stupid is part of the job of a coach, because the moment a coach is talking to a client and they think, oh, I know what the answer is. There's that certainty kicking in. I wonder what the like as a coach, what you're what you're not really exploring or willing to willing to dive into.
3: I'd like to speak to because I think it is also important the fact that one conversation can create more time and to speak to, hey, it is an investment. It is time. Yeah. Right, uh, so it's it's like both, and I and I wonder if why a lot of people can be skeptical, including us, including myself, uh, is that there is a little bit of this uh, get rich quick culture that is kind of prevalent. Silver and, bullet,
4: give me the pill. Yep.
3: And uh, although I think that is uh, that is deceptive, or a lot of that, a lot of things that come from that culture are very deceptive. Um, I do think it's about what's the what's a small thing that can exponentially change everything. And I do think that people avoid having the important conversations, being consistent in it, getting regular coaching or regular therapy or having the people in your life and making the time for that. And also like investing. It's like you get what you invest. (laughs) So where are you investing in yourself, where are you slowing down to speed up? And so I I think that's important to speak of because probably all four of us on this call have invested lots of hours in getting coached, possibly also lots of hours in therapy, And mentoring Uh, and I think there's a reason we love this in fact I I think that personally as a coach it's I'm cheating because uh, I I get to constantly be in the conversation so I know selfishly it's it's improving my life
4: it's like being a trainer at the gym like you're always training like and and that's the thing too is like anyone who works out physically knows if you do the workout quickly you do the you do the clean quickly, what ends up happening is you prop- your form isn't good, you probably end up injuring yourself, and you need to slow down and get your technique right. You need to yeah. you need to go consistently. And when you do that, you can lift incredible weight. But if you're not, and I think coaching really is the same.
3: Yeah, it's like trying to uh, get the six-pack abs without, like, with one. One, cup, of those, one.
4: Like, <laughs> one of those machines you strap on and just, like, flex your abs. Like, ah, <laughs> that's not going to do it. <laughs>
1: But I think that, like, that is the attraction of the get rich quick stuff. It's like, here, sign up for this and guaranteed to have this outcome. And that isn't what coaching is. Like, you come and the person who is making the investment, they are the ones who are doing the heavy lifting. They are the ones who are doing the work. It's not my job when I sit in front of my coach for them to do the work so that I get some incredible result in my life. It's I'm showing up in order to do the work. And I think that that's
4: really important to interrupt you just for a second because this, yes, we keep saying get rich quick. And this is what's interesting. Mm -hmm. People want to get rich rich quick with no work.
3: Yeah. We help
4: people get rich quick with the work. It's like, hey, you can get rich quick. You just have to show up at at a level and a tenacity. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to do things you've never done before. You have to be willing to fall on your face fast and get back up. Like, and I think so. it's not that you can't that get it. rich quick. It's that it takes a hell of a lot of effort and work and commitment yes. to do that. And coaches will hold a space for you to go like, are you really up for this? Like you can climb Everest yes. in a year, but you got to train like you've never trained before in your life if you're committed to it. And so that's a little bit of a, a nuance I'm hearing that in the it. conversation a little bit.
3: Well, in exploring how to work, I mean, the cliche is work a smarter, not harder, like we've said at the beginning, which is what are the areas where I'm currently unaware of a strategy because of my fears that is still work, but I could do half the work or, Mm. or one conversation or one request that I'm too afraid to ask or too afraid to make, or one email that I'm too afraid to send or one risk, like hiring an assistant before it feels, before I feel that I'm ready Uh, So what are those things that I'm unwilling to do, unwilling to invest in? And that's not get rich quick, I have to invest. I have to do something that's vulnerable. It's how is that going to create that life that I thought was previously impossible? I think we all have these internal, and and we know this, but we all have these internal strategies that we're unaware of. And so I think that is to me the power of coaching is allowing, um, so if I'm thinking even, the coaching call that I had with my coach this week, it's I often feel so certain that what I'm doing is working uh, and I've already thought of the best way. And so it's powerful for me to go into that conversation going, what is it that I'm not willing to see or that I'm unaware of? And we talk about the uh, survival needs, these kind of auto responses that we have. It's those moments when we go, why did I say or do that thing? And I don't know why I did that thing. It's those auto responses that we have, that are being run by some sort of internal fear, internal driver uh, yeah. that is giving me a temporary hit. But in the long run, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me my enjoyment. Um, and so it's it's those it's goes back to what we said at the beginning, which is what are those beliefs that we have whether it's if I'm gonna make the money that I wanna make, I'm gonna have to work 80 hours a week. Or yep. um, if if I'm going to enjoy my life, uh, then I'm gonna have to have a whole staff of assistants or something like that. Like all the, the assumptions that we make because of our experiences, because what we've seen based on um, life experience or where we went to school or where we grew up or what our family was like, we all carry those things. And if we don't pause to slow down and take a look at what those things are, uh, we're likely to be unaware of how we're getting in our own way.
2: Yeah. And it's and kind of tie that in. I, I love how you expanded on it. And it's almost like, so Dan's client, part of his strategy was avoid rejection or avoid hearing no, or avoid the perception that people might be like, man, this guy's so greedy or whatever. Uh, with Amanda's client, it was, the strategy was, don't actually take the, the CEO up on on having assistant time. And I'm sure there's a lot yeah. baked into that strategy itself with my client. It, the strategy is this is the way it is. 12 hour days are the norm. There's not really any way out of this. And, and so this um, is I, to kind of round that out. And as people are listening to this without a space, some sort of space where you sit and actually look at the strategies and obviously we're, we're all coaches. So we we love this space in a way but mostly because it helps you actually push back from the desk and, and get your strategy on paper so you can see where your strategy is working, also see where your strategy is not working, where it's where it's really holding you back. Um, and mm-hmm. what we would say is a phrase like, it, it, it your strategy is creating the future you say you don't want in some aspects. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to push back enough from the desk to look at it from a bird's eye view and then re-clarify your vision and re-strategize how to achieve that. And like with Amanda's client, um, use that assistant with Dan's client, make those requests with my client, actually get into some of the granular parts of his life that are being neglected that he would call meaningful.
4: That's good. I was going to say, and, and Janet doesn't have a client
3: i don't i don't have a client she has
4: 700. <laughs> uh, uh, these, so you're one of the busiest coaches at our firm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she has
2: too many to choose
3: from. I, i'm yeah. so busy you guys i'm so so busy, busy. so busy, so
2: busy. Yeah, i think we should talk about that yeah
3: i'm so lazy apparently <laughs>
2: <laughs> if we could all as we're winding this down um what i want you to be thinking about is like If there is one piece of advice you could give people who feel like they're too busy for coaching or don't have the time or energy or mind space to invest in coaching, I can go first uh, because I've been thinking about this, but I want to have each of you share what you're thinking about that in terms of if somebody had that objection, what might you say in a way that would advocate for them? The one that came to mind for me, and it was like a convicting thought I had, I don't remember if it came from somewhere else or if I had it myself. Uh, So we'll just say the author is the uh, is unknown. (laughs) But it was this idea that there's somebody on the planet who is busier and more successful than me and they make time Mm. for a coach. Mm. And so really, it helps me neutralize this idea that I'm too busy or don't have the headspace for coaching because I guarantee there's somebody that is busier than me and more successful than me that currently has a coach and somehow they have time for it that uh, sits with me at night sometimes whenever I'm thinking about certain things. Um, so that's, that's probably the advice I would give to somebody is, Hey, there's somebody more successful and busier than you. They have a coach. They create the space and time for it. Um, it might also be why they're, um, successful potentially. Amanda, what advice would you give to somebody who feels like they're too busy, don't have the headspace for coaching?
1: I probably would say, well, then don't hire one. And <laughs> and if you and if you do, then be really, really, really clear on what the result is that's going to make that investment worth it for you. Hmm. And like that's I think that it's the clarity around the result and getting clear that the result actually matters to them, to me, that I wouldn't be able to do it on my own, that I have no idea how I would even go about doing it. When I can get clear that there's something that I want that like qualifies in all those things, then it's like, okay, this is what I am using the coaching for. I'm not paying by the hour to talk to somebody. I am making an investment for a very clear and specific result. So yeah, it's like then don't hire one. Or if you do, this is how you use it. Like, don't hire me if you are not crystal clear on what it is that you want and committed to going after it and that it actually matters to you and would be worth the investment. That's
4: so good. That's Love such it. a good answer. <laughs> Love it. Love it.
2: Uh, Janet, what do you got? And then we'll mm. let Dan bring us home with this one.
3: Start by asking yourself some of the questions we've posed in, in this episode. So Um, One of my favorite questions, uh, if hiring a coach uh, could give you the life that you want. So it's similar to what Amanda said, what's the ROI? What would make it worth it? Uh, And then the other thought that came to mind is remember that your brain uh, wants to hide what your blind spots are. That's why they're blind spots. (laughs) Um, So you can't do surgery on yourself. So whether it's a coach or a mentor or someone who's willing to answer you strategic Questions, questions that you might not already be asking yourself, just because as a as human beings, we love to hide uh some truths from ourselves sometimes. So you you can't know what you don't know. Um, and the hardest thing to learn is that what you think you already know. So, which is why very successful people often do have a coach, because they're willing to bring in a second perspective. So that's my thought. It's why it's powerful for me, and that's why it's powerful for my clients.
2: Love skin. it, love it. All right, Dan. Um,
4: what you I got? don't know if I can follow those answers up. They're really, really good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was funny because I was thinking about this question. There's a playful, feisty part of me that's like, depending on the person, I might be like, they say, oh, "I don't have air," I, I don't have bandwidth for coaching. be like, that is incredibly arrogant and lazy. <laughs> 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 and hey. um, that would be that would be like a more a more playful thing. But actually, when I think more about that, uh, just that idea is. Um, uh, I think if you don't have the bandwidth for coaching, my guess is you don't have the bandwidth for a lot of things, and mm-hmm. um, I wonder what the cost of that is in the long run. Like it, mm-hmm. that sounds like somebody saying they're on the precipice of burning out, um, and from a compassionate place to also say, "Hey, that's a little arrogant," and <laughs> but also from a, from a place of really em- empathizing. And I've been that person. I have been this person mm-hmm. uh, of acknowledging, like, "Hey." If you don't have the bandwidth for coaching, that probably reveals that you 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 don't even realize there's gears or levels to this game that you don't think exist yet. And um, and on those levels, you actually can be rested and you can have uh, a bandwidth in your life that you could use for things other than coaching that you probably want to go do. Would it be worth figuring that out? And then to your question yeah. or your point, David, like people are there are people who are doing way more, leading larger companies, who have coaches. Uh, what does that say about how you're thinking about your reality and how that mm-hmm. might cost you a lot in the future? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I find just helping somebody connect with the cost of not doing something, uh, it's very helpful because it, it has saved my, my life in many ways, whether it's my relationship with my wife, actually having intentional time with my children, being with you all, um. And that's that's the product. And so I'm I'm walking evidence of this conversation, saving you time mm-hmm. and getting more done and, uh, and less time and, and with more satisfaction. Like I, I can say that faithfully and truthfully that that is that has been the story of my life for the last mm. number of years, uh, engaging this work. So that, that's my answer.
2: I love it. I love it. Thanks, Dan. Nice. Uh, so as we as we sign off, as we're winding this down, yeah. be thinking about. Uh, the, the hope from all of us I know we're we're resonant in this is that we hope this does enable and empower and create space for you to go beyond high performance and to create a life that is beyond what you currently think you're capable of. Um, and that might be professional, might be personal, might be both. And that's, that's our heart, that's our hope in this is that you become a more generous person, that you become a, a person of greater impact and a person of greater love for the world that we all live in. So for Amanda Jagger, Janet Wood, And Dan Leflar, I'm David Gerber. Thanks for uh, being with us and tune in next time.
0: Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, that helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.